We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, we got a wild sports day going on, mostly in the NBA. We got some NFL news too, though. Justin Fields is finally getting his first start in week three. I know both of us can't wait. That's going to rule. Bears got a tough matchup against the Browns, but I've never been more excited than to see Justin Fields start his first game. Uh, but a lot, a lot going on in the NBA too today, Jason. And uh, for once, the Bulls do not look like one of the most dysfunctional teams in the league. We have the Pelicans sort of crumbling around David Griffin. There was a report today of David Griffin playing piano for Zion Williamson to try to form a personal bond for him. It's not working. It seems like Zion's days in New Orleans are already numbered only two years into his career. And then the Timberwolves just come over the top, fire their president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas, a week before training camp, and uh, this is all coming to a head just before media days open around the league next Monday. Bulls starting training camp on Tuesday. We still have plenty of Ben Simmons drama in Philadelphia hanging over the rest of the league. And man, the NBA never sleeps, Jason. Uh, you think that this should be like the calm before the storm, but the league is no. crazier than ever. Right. Yeah. And, and the, ben, the Simmons thing also relates to the Timberwolves because they've been rumored to be one of the teams in on him. My first thought, now we were talking before this, and you said your th- first thought was that they fired Rosas because of like some, maybe some uh, whatever with the Simmons stuff. Maybe there was some uh, inconsistencies there with like ownership. Obviously, the Timberwolves are getting new ownership, transitioning to A Rod and Mark Mark Lore. Uh, but who knows? Like it's, it's just such a weird timing. A week again, like you said, a week before camp opens, the media days are like next Monday. Uh, so yeah, it's crazy. And Simmons says he's not reporting, doesn't want to play ever again for the Sixers. We'll see who budges there. So just a lot of uh, fun stuff happening. I get fun, quote unquote, fun, uh, fun for us, I guess, because like you said, the Bulls are not involved with the Bulls are just kind of normal for as Bulls fans. I'm just reading through these dumb top 100 rankings and seeing where players wind up. We got like 
I saw Zach Levine was, I think, 29 in SI, 33 in ESPN. I was kind of, kind of took some offense to the ESPN one with CJ McCollum was like six spots ahead of him. I think that thought that was kind of bogus, but uh, I don't really like the ranking stuff. I, I don't love rankings. I, I don't like doing them. I guess I like to read them just because it's kind of fun to read them. I, I try not to get too upset about it. People always get, get upset about it. Uh, but that's basically all we're doing right now as Bulls fans. Like the roster is basically set. We're reading dumb rankings. Uh, I'm just waiting for uh, waiting for media day to come next week. Yeah, we're happy right now, Jason, as Bulls fans. Things are looking up for us. But we have a special guest on today, Anthony Irwin, who is part of Silver Screen and Roll. You can find his podcast on the Silver Screen and Roll podcast network. They're rolling out 11 podcasts a week covering the Lakers on that podcast feed. Absolutely incredible. Anthony, thank you for joining us. Uh, my transition here was going to be like, we're happy about everything going into this season as Bulls fans, but you, Anthony, as a Lakers fan, there's one specific thing that you appear not to be too pleased about. The Los Angeles Lakers let go of Alex Caruso this offseason. He signs with the Bulls. A couple days ago, the Lakers signed a $100 million deal with a Korean food company to sponsor their jersey yet they can't afford to sign Alex Caruso. We saw Anthony getting all up in arms about this. Lakers dodging the tax. What a world. Anthony, welcome. How you doing, man? Well, thank, one, thank you guys for having me. Two, it's almost like this is probably the best case scenario for podcasts that I could have done with you. This is the best. This is the most excited I think Chicago fans have been in a while, and that's with like the Chicago Cubs not even like trying to field like a decent professional team. Um, I'm I'm like I'm really really jealous. The whole oh, there you go, Ricky. Ricky's Point a Sox fan, so so there you go. Um, so so I, like yeah, I, I'm I'm really happy to one come on this podcast, get to talk with you guys, and then two come on under circumstances in which you guys are are in such incredible moods. But yeah, the best tweet that I saw in my mentions when I just kind of pointed out weird that the Lakers couldn't afford. The luxury tax bill, the additional $40 million in luxury taxes uh, as they sign this deal, as you have the new TV money uh, that could be coming into the tune of $75 billion to the rest of the NBA. Uh, somebody tweeted back at me like, we we had to let our baby go as we signed with BB Go. So that's that's where we're at. <laughs> Laker fans loved Alex Caruso. Chicago fans, you guys are going to freaking love this guy. He is an incredibly hard worker. It was really fun to watch him transition from like cult meme hero. Here's this dude who was like the actual, uh, he could walk into any YMCA and, and just, you know, torch anybody because nobody would thought would think that guy would play basketball the way that he does. He goes from that to like, Hey, this guy might be pretty good to Holy cow. This guy's a championship like a, a really important role player on championship teams, plural. And uh, here we are. So you guys are really going to enjoy the guy. I'm really bummed that he went, especially under the circumstances when the Lakers literally just said, nope, we can't afford to keep this guy, even as we contend against the Brooklyn Nets, who have a luxury tax bill three times the size of the Lakers. Yeah, and just a, a bit of a refresher. I believe the reporting was out there. I think it was like Sam Amick. In a few places, that basically the Bulls, whatever they made their offer, they basically offered like the full, full mid level mid level exception. Just a bit under, I think. I think he's making seven or eight million the first year, and that Crusoe went back to the Lakers and said, "Like, can you beat this?" Because they, what was the most they could offer him again? Could they offer him almost whatever they want? Basically, whatever they wanted. Basically, yeah, yeah. So they, they, like, 
essentially given what he was going to cost, there was no, cause no team was going to step in and like max the guy. Right, out, yeah. right. So, so the Lakers never had to worry. It was always just a decision that they just, they valued him at six ish million dollars. Uh, and, and, uh, I think they're wrong, but, but they, that's where they valued him, And, and, and that's where he wasn't willing to go that low and they weren't willing to go that high. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can't blame him. Go get that money, especially from where where it came from. So, so it's just like obviously you were not happy about it. Just, were you really like super surprised that they just he goes back to them and they're like, "No, you can take it. You're out," and he's gone. Like, how surprised were you? So, like, when you read about that and just him leaving in general, was it always seemed like he was going to be back? I mean, the way like LeBron always talked about him, just everyone yeah. talked about him. It seemed like it was he was a shoe in to be back. Yeah, I uh it was funny the way that it played out heading into the offseason. There were some moves that you just thought, yeah, this makes the most sense. The Lakers should be able to retain Alex Caruso. Uh, maybe it comes down to a choice between him and Taylor Horton Tucker, but even there, like the Lakers can still literally afford both of those guys. <laughs> uh now whether they would have been able to find rotation spots for both of those guys given the way that the roster was built out after uh, Alex's departure, like that's that's debatable, obviously. Uh, but they don't make some of like they don't sign Kendrick Nunn if you sign Alex Caruso. So uh, I, I just said, uh, you know, initially the thought was, yeah, this guy will be around. This guy is is going to be a Laker. LeBron loves him. He was retweeting jokes about how when Alex Caruso got uh, arrested for for uh, carrying pot. LeBron James was right there saying he was going to bail him out and all of those things. Like it, it just seemed like, yeah, this, this seems like a very natural fit. Uh, the, Alex was a vital key. Like he was, you could make the argument over the course of that championship season, he was maybe the Lakers like fourth or fifth best player, which is pretty insane given where the guy came from. And I just, <laughs> I just never thought that it was possible that the Lakers would undervalue this guy. And then the offseason started and uh, the the whispers really kind of got louder and got louder and got louder from people that I was speaking to saying like, yeah, let's not, let's not write his name in ink on the rotation next year. And it was, it, the whispers were such that we all kind of thought, well, maybe <laughs> we'll hold out a little bit of optimism here. Maybe the Lakers won't do this really dumb thing and just let this guy go. And if, and if they do, maybe they use his cap spot to bring in another player who could similarly help maybe at a different position, but they didn't even wind up doing that. Like they weren't even interested in signing and trading him because again, the money. So uh, it was, it was the, the whispers, whispers start. And I remember just kind of talking to the people in the silver screen and roll slack, like this is what I'm hearing and it's not good. And it was crazy to hear that. Yeah. Rob Polinka kind of undervalued the guy. Uh, LeBron James, as Carmelo Anthony pointed out, is the Lakers GM. He undervalued the guy. They all just kind of, they all wrote, they drew a line in the sand. And I thought it was a pretty ridiculous line in the sand. I thought that that price for what the, what Alex Caruso brought them was, was pretty crazy. And, uh, and then they just weren't willing to go above it in any way, shape or form. But I think the main thing Caruso is going to bring to the Bulls is an area they desperately needed help in last year. That's just on-ball defense. Caruso's mm -hmm. signature quality is that he's really good at defending opposing point guards. I'm curious just like what you saw from him as a defender, if you think that he really was as effective as his reputation would suggest, and just like what else you think he'll like 
add to the Bulls defensively. He, I honestly contend that if he played a role, if he played more minutes, he would have been in the conversation for best defensive point guards in the NBA. Like that's how the, 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 the difference between the Lakers defense with him on and off the court, both statistically and in terms of what you're watching on the court was just so clear. He was such a, a key part of that defense. And it wasn't just point of attack defense either. Like he was a pretty good, I think he's slightly overrated as an on-ball defender. He has great clips as an on-ball defender, but where he really wreaks havoc is he has really good instincts off of the ball as a helper, just taking an extra step when he doesn't have to into a passing lane, not to steal the pass, but to make it look like that passing lane isn't there. And it just, he's really good at gumming up offenses that way. Does a ton of, of uh, video work and does a ton of scouting work so that he knows how to do those things. Um, one thing that we saw over the course of his last season as a Laker was teams were kind of taking advantage of this and they would, they would run some actions that benefited from that extra step that he would take on occasion. But even still, he was still clearly the Lakers best defensive point guard last year, which is again, pretty bananas given the fact that this guy was an undrafted guy, two way player, like Bleacher Report's favorite guy, but mostly for joking reason, turns into one of the better defenders in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I mean, even you said on ball, maybe maybe not as good as maybe his rep suggests. I remember one Bulls game last, I think it was the game in Chicago. Caruso locked Zach up, and Levine had, Zach Levine had an awesome season last year, and he could not shake Caruso at all. Uh, just super physical with him, uh, just sticking with him. And Zach, I mean, Zach, you know, was super quick, super, he's, athletic and he just couldn't do anything with him. Caruso was just all up in his grill the entire game and couldn't shake free. And it was just super impressive as someone who just hasn't watched him that closely has been more of a, this guy's more of like a meme type player, like watching that. I was like, yeah, this dude is, uh, is the real deal on that end. And I know, I think I can't remember who it was that, that I saw some stat. Uh, some guy had some stat. I think it might be a Lakers fan. Is it, was it Cranjus? I think his like, like th- basketball. Yeah, I yeah, think the- like his like advanced stats at like Crusoe like rated out as like the number one like point guard or on ball defender or something like that. So just like yeah, and how you talk about him, how all these other Lakers fans swear by him, like uh, and it is as Ricky said, it's exactly what the Bulls need. We said there's one thing that a lot of people I think are questioning about the Bulls this year. It's just <sighs> it's like can he play? Can they will they defend at all? Like you got Zach who might be getting better defensively, Usovic. Eh, DeRozan, obviously, people, he sucks defensively. So, like, they have Caruso and Lonzo. We'll talk about Lonzo in a second here. Like, he's mm-hmm. going to be super important. I'm very curious to see how much Caruso does end up playing. Because while he didn't play that much for the Lakers, he did play, like, basically a lot of the most important minutes, right? And he, st- did he start game six of the finals against the Heat, yes. right? Yeah. yeah, so that was the big adjustment that they made, and they won that game by, like, by the, they. I think they, I don't know if they won it by 40, but at one point were winning a finals game by 40 points. And, like Miami was crippled with injuries and that was just a brutal season all around for a lot of these teams. But they basically said, all right, no messing around here. 80 starting at the five Caruso was starting this one and they just came out and just obliterated the Miami heat. The, the thing that I would say with Caruso is like Levine is an example of the perfect type of player for, for Alex to guard those combo guards who are kind of shifty and stuff like that. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> Caruso's bread and butter. He will kind of struggle sometimes with smaller, uh, like true point guards, you know, not the combo guard type, but like the Stephs and 
yeah. uh, Trey Young, you know, he's just, he's not, I don't, he's long enough to kind of make up for the lack of lateral athleticism there. But for the most part, like he's, if he has a combo guard that he's just told, Hey, pin your ears back. Don't let that guy do anything. He's phenomenal at that yep. stuff. And then the other thing too, that you guys are really going to benefit from, he was doing this without the reputation, uh, like with the referees of a great defender. So he would pick up these fouls that like Patrick Beverly doesn't pick up, you know, or, and, and so over the time of while he's a Chicago bull, he is going to start getting some of that, that treatment, that preferential treatment that the, that good defenders get where they're allowed to be just a little bit more physical. And like, I, I think I tweeted out on, on several occasions over the last couple of years, when he's allowed to do that, I don't know how certain types of players are going to score on him. It's going to be really fun to watch. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm curious about how you think his offense sort of fits in with the Bulls because Caruso likely going to be coming off the bench this year. I think he's going to be the Bulls' sixth man. The Bulls' starting lineup is going to be Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, Nikola Vucevic. But I think the closing lineup will likely put in Caruso for Patrick Williams, slide everyone else up a position, DeRozan going to the four being the big thing there. And I'm super excited about that lineup. I think that's going to be the the Bulls' best lineup this year. And I am curious to see how much offense Caruso can give. So last year, I want to say Caruso averaged like six points a game the year before that, like five points a game. Obviously he's been in a relatively low usage offensive role. Hasn't been playing a ton of minutes, Uh, but he did show flashes of floor spacing capabilities last year, improved his three point percentage of 40%. It was on a low volume. I think, uh, you know, only 137 attempts from three. So curious, like, where do you think he is as a shooter? Do you think that, like, he is going to be a legitimate 40% shooter? Did you trust that the shot was going in when he had a wide open catch and shoot last year? Is that something that can be sustainable? And then, like, what else can we really expect from him offensively aside from, like, 25 sick dunks a year? Because we've all seen those highlights uh, across (laughs) social media. We know he's a high riser. Curious, what else do you think he could bring to the team offensively? So his best offense is going to come as a result of his defense. Get out in transition, fill a lane, finish on the lane. Uh, he's not—he's never going to be a, a pick-and-roll ball handler. He doesn't have that kind of a jumper that defenses have to really worry about coming off of a pick-and-roll in the mid-range. So that's not—that's not—and and he's just not that kind of a decision-making maker anyway. But you have two guys who are very capable of doing that, so you don't have to worry about that too much at all. Uh, when it comes to the way he fits within the construct of 
the Bulls as constructed, he he just spot spot up at the corner. And by the end of the season, if the ball uh, got rotated over to to Caruso and he was open in the corner and he missed it, I was surprised. Which again is a giant upset given where he started. Where it used to be, ball rotates over to Caruso and you just kind of go, ah. <laughs> please we're we're all pulling for you bud but please make it and, and and it didn't really necessarily work out that way very often but yeah i would say that he became a, a a consistent enough shooter that you weren't disappointed to see him wind up with it at the end of possessions which is kind of exactly what you guys are hoping for and then the other thing too he has great instincts defensively he has tremendous instincts offensively he's very good at just kind of floating down when he has to float down making a cut when he asked to make a cut. Um, if he and whoever is in the backcourt with him are, are on the same page, he's very good at telling, you know, communicating beforehand, hey, I'm going to dive in and try to get this offensive rebound, tip dunks, that kind of stuff like that. Uh, he, if, he, if he can do that and if he can get on the same page with Lonzo and with Levine, uh, I, I think the fit is very natural. Transition stuff, I think, is going to be huge. I think the Bulls are going to be looking to play fast. When you, get, when you have Zach, you have Lonzo in his passing. You have a young guy like Patrick Williams, uh, Kobe White when he gets healthy. I mean, DeRozan as well. Just They got to push the ball, take advantage of that stuff for sure. Let's talk about Lonzo. Uh, obviously, former Lakers. Did, did Lonzo and Caruso play together a year? If they did, they, Bare, Caruso had such a small role yeah. that yeah. it was not – it's really difficult. And they were such different players, too. Right. Like, yeah. when Lonzo was playing with the Lakers, he was nowhere near the shooter that he is now. And I think he's just bigger now. So, Ricky, to your point about sliding down and playing the three, I think Lonzo can do that now. Back when he was a Laker, that was just not an option. Yeah, so to, to that point, just like Lonzo, number two pick was at 2017. I had a good amount of hype out of UCLA. I know Ricky loved him. Just what, what did you think of Lonzo as a prospect when he did come to the Lakers? And what did you see? What haggis have you seen when he was with the Lakers and then going to the Pelicans to where he is now? Where uh, he had a really nice year this past year. His three point shooting has improved so much, as you mentioned, 37, 38% on high volume. The defense, I feel like he's got the potential there. The Pelicans' defense was just kind of. The Pelicans were a mess last year. It was, we just we talked about at the top of this pod, but uh, he everything's has, great in New Orleans. What do you? Yeah, it's all good. And obviously, I know you you guys like to out there in LA like to rib on New Orleans because the AD stuff. Yeah. But uh, uh, he's obviously gotten a lot better. So, I'm just, what progression you've seen out of him? And do you think he can take if there's another gear to his game as well? Another gear is difficult. Like for me. I think Lonzo's best role is always going to be on teams. Like I was, I was kind of sort of pulling for him to go to Dallas because I think the fit with him and Luca is a really good one. He's so good. And I think this is where he's going to fit really well with Levine too. He is so good at making quick decisions. He's, he does this thing. uh, I believe he's kind of referred to it where he takes a picture on the court and as the ball is rotating over to him, he'll just take a, a quick glance at where everybody is at and by the time the ball gets to into his hands, he already knows kind of what decision he's going to make there. So when you have a higher usage player like Levine, when you have a, a scorer like Vucevic there, having a player like Lonzo who makes those quick decisions and can also knock down shots, I think makes for a really like just a tremendous fit there. So I think that's going to, that's really going to be nice. And that, that however, does kind of take away from that leap ability because usually that leap would happen with 
on-ball traits where can he handle the pick and roll more consistently? Can he go out and get his own shot more consistently? Can can he do those things? And I think he has made significant progress in in a couple of those areas. I just think the way that he is wired as a basketball player is always going to kind of get in the way of that, which is a good and a bad thing because I don't think you ever want Lonzo Ball to be your even second best player on a championship team. I think he's best suited as a third best player where he can just kind of figure out the landscape of the court and then react to the way that a defense moves off of a primary option. So I think that's where he's really going to fit defensively. He kind of operates like uh Caruso where he does a lot of those things off of the ball that really wreak havoc on, on, on defenses in ways that you kind of have to be paying attention to him uh, to pick up where if you, if you're just watching the ball, you might not see the pass that isn't made. You're going to, but if you're watching Lonzo Ball, you'll see the pass that he prevented from being made because he has long arms, because he has great instincts. So I think, again, I, I think he's a really good fit there. He's made such great uh, strides forward that, look, his his tenure with the Lakers was about as polarizing as any Laker has really been, especially drafted that high where Magic is telling him, yeah, I want your jersey right up there next to mine. And now the Lakers fans are saying, like, come on. <laughs> but, but, but he goes from that to kind of being somewhat disappointing with the shot not really working out. And then you get the immediate expectations of LeBron showing up um, and, and then spending an entire year in trade discussions with Anthony Davis. And yet, despite all of that, because of how well he played in New Orleans, Lakers fans were really kind of hoping that something like that would work out to where some way, somehow, maybe he gets completely undervalued on, on the open market and the Lakers fans were completely willing to take him back. I'm very excited about Lonzo this year. Very excited about Caruso. I'm curious where you see the Bulls in the East this year, because Jason and I have been talking about where we think the Bulls are going to slot in to the Eastern Conference playoff race this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, obviously there's so many new pieces on the team. Uh, we didn't even really get to see what the Vucevic Levine pairing looked like last year because Levine immediately got injured. Uh, the Bulls over the last four years, man, worst record in the NBA since they traded Jimmy Butler. So there's certainly nowhere to go, but up for the Bulls, <laughs> uh, looking at the rest of the East, obviously Milwaukee and Brooklyn are the two powerhouses at the top of the conference. Last year's one seed was the Sixers. I think they're kind of in peril right now until the Simmons situation handles itself, but you don't want to discount them too much because of what they accomplished last year. You also got the Hawks. You got the Knicks, who Eight. we know with Tom Thibodeau are going to treat every game of the regular season like it's game seven of the NBA finals. They should once no. again be a very good regular season team. Uh, you have your old friend Dennis Schroeder now on the Boston Celtics next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. East looking pretty decent this year. The Miami Heat as well, Ed and Kyle Lowry. So uh, where do you see the Bulls in the East and uh, just from an outsider's perspective? Yeah, I, I think, well, they're obviously going to be better. Like you said, there's nowhere to go but up. Uh, so I, I'm I'm with you completely there. I'm actually pretty willing to write off the 76ers. I just think right. there's so much, there's so much dysfunction there. Like Ben Simmons isn't going to report. They aren't going to get the package back that, uh, Daryl Morey is really looking for and whatever package they get back, you know, Morey is going to turn around and try to turn it into the player that he wanted to trade Ben Simmons for anyway. Right. So, so I don't, I don't know how things are really going to go in Philly. 
I think Brooklyn and Milwaukee are in two, like they're clearly in a tier of their own. I, and, and, and I have Brooklyn just slightly ahead of Milwaukee there. After that, I think you have Boston I think you have Atlanta and I think you have, depending on Philly, I think you might have an argument to be made there for like maybe Miami. I think after that, I think Chicago is very squarely in that, in that third upper third tier where they could mess around and get a four spot. They could really make uh, one of the upper seeds kind of sweat in the first round. And maybe depending on how high they go and, and how high they finish the season, maybe win the first round of a playoffs and then, you know, maybe get ready for a, a second round exit. But that's quite the jump for, for Chicago. And, and I, I, I just, I really love the way these pieces fit. Even DeMar DeRozan, who is kind of a joke, you know, when it comes to analysis out there, I think he's, he's one of those players who's just, perpetually swinging on the pendulum between overrated and underrated. Like he's just, just always going back and forth. Uh, I think he's become underrated all over again, uh, especially if he plays more four and it, you have a lineup that really benefits from him playing the four. So if you have like the things that I really kind of look for with those teams that are, could take that step forward, do they have a lineup? Do they have an identity and do they have p- pieces that really fit? And I think the bulls have all of those things. Funny you mentioned the DeRozan thing and the, the pendulum. Uh, going back to even like the the, the stupid ranking things, uh, he was in like the 80s going into last season. He's in like the low 40s, I think, on both SI and ESPN. Oh, so like maybe, maybe he's getting overrated again. <laughs> maybe I yeah, like, I, I'm on the wrong side of the pendulum. <laughs> I know, yeah, I mean, we're just like a year behind there. Because yeah, because I think a lot of people just have been like, have been writing him off in San Antonio. The Spurs have been kind of whatever the last couple of years. But like, I mean, you look at his numbers and like he had, even without the three-point shooting, I think his True shooting was like 59 last year, career high mm-hmm. assists. Obviously, the defense is a problem. We had a good uh, Spurs guy on last week, and he was talking about just like, yeah, like his defense is bad. And uh, even like three, four, wherever he, two, wherever he plays, like it's not good. I think as Bulls fans, we hope that it gets mitigated if he's playing a lot of four defensively. But like they, the Bulls needed the, the, the jump in more shot creation. The free throw shooting has been an issue. The Bulls were last in the league in free throw shooting. So like having that and just having someone that can take more pressure off of Zach because I mean, Zach had to do so much last year and like he had such a great year, but even again, at end of games, like he would, it would be Zach hero ball and it would be just like him chucking up shots. And like, sometimes they'd go in because he can hit ridiculous shots, but like, uh, yeah, I guess before we we're t- we'll wrap up talking about the Lakers real quick, but I guess just on Zach, where do you where do you place him him just like in the league? Because I think like as Bulls fans, we've kind of really come around on him. I think some others are are as well, but I think some others might be still lagging behind on like where they think Zach like slots in among like the really good young. I, he's not really that young anymore, but among the that that group of like Booker, Mitchell, Murray, like those guys, mm-hmm. we always kind of refer him to. Yeah, I. I think one thing that we're really learning in in today's NBA, especially given the amount of personnel movement, is that uh, the notion of a good stats, bad team player is really kind of falling by the wayside. And I think he's one of those guys who you know, he was a slam dunk contest winner, and that's what he, what he was really known for. Uh, and then he develops a three-point shot, and you're saying, well, if somebody athletic enough to win – multiple slam dunk contests is also capable of as, as a, as a three point shooter. That's a, you know, that, that's, that's J.R. Smith back in the day. Right. And, and so you thought to yourself, well, is that where he tops out? Like, the, are we going to see, 
can he take another step forward there? Can he start creating for other players? And he absolutely can, I think. I, I think he's he's really kind of impressed me with what he does in that regard. Well, what can you do with him defensively becomes then the last question. You surround him with Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. Like, that's what you do. I would I would trust the team a little bit more if they had more wing defense. Uh, I would, you know, as you talked about with DeMar DeRozan, he has questions there. Uh, I do like that you guys picked up Stanley Johnson. I'm just always going to be in the tank for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I think, I think if, if you can surround him with enough defense so that whatever lineup he's on out there can take full advantage of the offense, especially over the course of the regular season where you, if you have enough firepower, it just becomes impossible to really scout against you. I think that's the kind of situation that you want Levine in right now. And then as he grows over the course of his career, maybe as a defender, maybe as at, at the very least as a team defender so that he doesn't become like a Russell Westbrook, who's just at any point can see a squirrel and run off in the wrong direction. <laughs> like it, it, as long as, as long, as long as you can get him to become a, a league average team defender, I think that's where he becomes a fairly special player. I really like Levine a lot. Well, Anthony, you just mentioned Russell Westbrook. He is the key addition to the Lakers this offseason, the headline name uh, that arrived this summer. So let's talk about the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Lakers this year, every year, maybe championship or bust. Definitely this year. We give LeBron his championship or bust. NED and Russ. And yeah. (laughs) So what do you think? How do you see the Lakers in the West? Do you think they're the top dog in the West? Who do you view as their biggest challenger? How confident are you in their ability to assimilate Westbrook? Uh, how much center is Anthony Davis playing? What are the big things you're thinking of? Let's hear it. Yeah. So it all starts with AD at the five. And that kind of summarizes, I think what is going to define this Lakers season is the notion of sacrifice, right? Like last year, I thought the Lakers were immensely talented on an individual basis across the roster, right? Where they add Montrezl Harrell, who, former six man of the year. And then Dennis Schroeder was the runner up in that, in that uh, conversation as well. And then you have, uh, you know, obviously LeBron and Anthony Davis were, were fantastic in, in, in uh, the season before, as you would expect those guys to be. And they had so much individual talent that like I headed into the season saying that this feels like the most talented Lakers roster of my lifetime, not best, not greatest, not greatest team because we hadn't seen what they'd done before. And then Dennis Schroeder says, well, I outright like, re- refuse to come off of the bench. I say, okay, that's great. And then uh, Montrez Harrell, uh, as the season crept closer to the playoffs, started kind of subtweeting the Lakers about the role that he was getting ready to play. And you say, oh, well, that's not ideal. And then you have the injuries on top of that. Andre Drummond was just an out-and-out disaster. And, and I just thought that team, while talented, didn't really understand the notion of sacrifice that is necessary for a team to be legitimately great, the kind of great that you need to be to win a championship. Um, I don't think it would have mattered regardless because of the injuries this year though, like you're hearing the right things. Anthony Davis is, is getting ready to maybe play more five. I'll believe it more when I see it just because like when they signed Deandre Jordan, he thanked Rob Polinka, which is, <laughs> you know, I mean, normally, if you're no, normally if you're getting ready to play a position, you don't normally thank the executive for signing somebody who's going to compete with you four minutes at that position. That's not normally how that goes. 
Uh, but still, you know, they're saying all the right things. Frank Vogel says that Anthony Davis looks incredible and all of that. And then, uh, you know, obviously LeBron, I, I think I, I headed into last season wondering if he had one more haymaker in him. He started the season looking like he did. And then he, and then it was a freak injury. It wasn't even like something that he broke down on. Uh, I forget the player who it was, but he collided with his ankle, high ankle yep. sprain. Anybody who plays fantasy football will tell you like that ends people's seasons. Yep. And then, you know, that was just over from there. You're not going to recover from that. Anthony Davis came into the season out of shape. LeBron gets hurt and that's it for the season. And I think here with these Lakers, I, I think the fact that they more willingly understand and grasp the notion of sacrifice, all of the guys up and down the roster are talking about, I am willing to compete for the minutes that I have, whether it's guys on the wing, like Kent Bazemore and Wayne Ellington, who are going to be going head to head for minutes, whether it's Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk and Taylor Horton Tucker, all of those guys are talking about getting ready to compete. Like that's, that's, I think the kind of culture that the Lakers instilled when they won a championship and if they're bringing him back like that, that really speaks well. And I think we talked about pendulums and stuff like every other morning I wake up and I say, you know what? Russ might work. <laughs> Get out and transition enough. Maybe, maybe it'll work out. And then the next morning I wake up, it's like, God, he's so bad on as a shooter. <laughs> and if AD doesn't play the five, they're going to be playing in a closet. Like what? And so I, I think it's going to be somewhere, if that's the two ends of the spectrum, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. There are going to be some games where it looks like they are world beaters. There are going to be other games where you're asking all the questions about like, well, if this doesn't work out, how do they get out of this situation? Uh, but I think overall, they're far and away the best team in the West right now. Uh, the most talented team in the West. I, I, I always try to make sure I say most talented <laughs> heading into a season after last year. But um, I think they're the most talented team in the West, but I still have Brooklyn as the better team overall. I, I think Brooklyn has so much firepower. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it, it's like, what do you do? The, the, it, they, their spacing is unbelievable. And I don't know how you contend against that. It's, it's going to be a fascinating season. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I guess you hope those two teams play just for like as an NBA fan, just because of the amount, I mean, just like going through the names that you've been listing on the Lakers and like the Nets too, just like they have this guy and they have this guy, like the Lakers have Rondo back. They have DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> Wayne Ellington, yeah. Kent Bazemore. It's like, they have all these Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo like, Anthony somehow goes unmentioned. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. And then like the Nets, they, they have Griffin back. They got a Mark Saldridge is coming out of retirement to go back to them. They signed Paul Millsap. And it just like, it just it would be an incredible series of just, name players so like uh obviously the bulls aren't gonna go to the finals so like i would probably as much as it like whatever the the big favorites like can be kind of boring like i feel like we gotta at least see this series at least once and this this feels like the year to do it lakers nets would probably be a lot of fun and yeah i guess like with russ you just like if anything you hope that he just he was he just goes so hard in the regular season that he can just allow lebron to kind of chill a bit i guess Mm -hmm. like at the very least because like uh, I feel like the Lakers probably will be in the regular season. Like you said, kind of like there'll be some nights where there's, they'll turn it on and they'll look un- unbeatable and other nights where they just don't give a shit. I mean, Russell probably give a shit the entire time, <laughs> but other nights where they right. just like, don't have it. LeBron mails it in AD mails it in. It's like, whatever was, like you, would you predict them to, to get the one seed or probably maybe like four or five and then just, and then be healthy roll through. It's so hard because like, I think they, they traded for Russ. I think the implication or one of the implications there when they traded for Russ was that LeBron, Russ, AD, they're all going to play about 
65 games would be yes. my guess. And it depends on how good they'll be on nights where they have two of those three guys or one of those three guys, how well they'll, they'll how high up those standings they'll go. As it stands right now, I think, I think Utah is going to have a strong regular season again. Like that's just what we can pencil in for them now. Yeah. I think Phoenix is going to take another step forward because uh, all of those young guys are going to get better. And, and then from there, like maybe Dallas rips off a really good regular season just because their offense is going to be so uh, explosive. After that, I think the Lakers at lowest should be four. Yeah. At highest, I could see them getting the one spot if like Russell Westbrook is good enough on nights where LeBron isn't there to make the Lakers not a disaster. And then obviously on nights that Russ isn't available, <laughs> the Lakers might look better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I have no idea. Uh, but and then and then Anthony Davis like. It, the thing that I keep I keep trying to stop myself from going so far out onto this onto this line of thinking is at some point somebody has to challenge AD to say like how great do you want to be considered you know like do you actually want to play the spot that you like did did anybody have to convince Hakeem Olajuwon to to play the five <laughs> you know like did it, it, was this a conversation that was held very often about Wilt Chamberlain and and so. I kind of wonder at what point somebody will kind of shake AD a little bit and say, you're capable of winning MVP. You're capable of winning defensive player of the year. These are things that we should paint, paint, pencil your name in to the conversation for year in, year out. Are you going to get back to that level this year? And if he does, that's where I think the Lakers are really going to be special. If the, the Lakers are really going to go as AD goes. Yeah, I mean, in the bubble, I mean, AD was absolutely exactly. incredible. And then, I mean, I know some of that's like that shooting, the shooting was outlier stuff. We'll see if he can get can kind of get back to that a little bit more. And then like the defensive mm-hmm. stuff, obviously, when he's locked in like that, you see how ridiculously good the Lakers are. So at the very least, it'll be very fascinating. Uh, I would certainly peg them as the team to come out of the West for sure. Uh, just, there's just so many players. Again, injuries, you never know. It's what happened to the Nets and Lakers last year. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, should be a lot of fun. Ricky, are you good or should we wrap it up here? I'm good. All right. Uh, Anthony, thank you, for, thank you so much for joining us. Please, again, let our listeners know. Uh, where they can find you? Give you a hype yourself up a bit here. Uh, well, normally I, it doesn't take much finding. I'm Harrison or I are are, are usually annoying some section <laughs> of the country. Uh, right now, he's not allowed in Philadelphia. Right. So, but I'm I'm on Twitter at Anthony in LA. Uh, you could find our podcasts uh, every everywhere that you get your podcasts. Just search Silver Screen Roll, and and the feed will pop up. The one thing that I do want to say, like this. There's not normally a bunch of crossover for Lakers person telling Bulls fans, hey, go find my stuff. Uh, but I do say every Friday afternoon, um, Aaron Larsoul and I record The Hook, which is a in a, a more a, a broader discussion about the NBA, where we will discuss, you know, it's coming off of Thursday night. You have the TNT games to, to talk about and send you guys into the weekend with something, you know, nice and lighthearted. Uh, regarding the NBA at large, with a little bit of a, a, a Lakers slant. Granted, I'll I'll, I'll cop to my homerism here, but but uh, but that's the notion of that show. So that check that out. That's the hook, and that's on the Silver Screen and Roll podcast feed. Awesome! Again, thank you much for joining us. Great stuff. I'm sure Bulls fans will love to hear all the the glowing words about Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball, and uh, uh, should be a lot of fun. Again, we got training camp coming up next week, so fun stuff. 
Uh, we will be here with you probably next week again. We'll probably do a recap for uh, Bulls Media Day, which is on Monday. So that should be fun. Uh, all this fun stuff happening with the NBA. Good stuff. As always, shout out to Blue Wire Network and all the great pods all across the Blue Wire Network. For us here at Cash Considerations, please give us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out. Leave, let us know how we're doing on Apple Podcasts or if you can hit us, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SDN underscore Ricky. And of course, this pod's anywhere you can find your pods. Uh, please do let us know how we're doing. We're also on Stitcher, Google, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those great places. So for Jason and Ricky, thanks again to Anthony. We are coming up on training camp, baby. So let's go. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.